Hello, you're listening to the Friendship Story at UEA. Today's episode focuses on Anna, a current UEA master's student and a University of Sanctuary scholar, and Beth, a former UEA student still living in Norwich. It tells the story of their great friendship, forged years ago in Brussels, where they lived and worked together under the European Voluntary Service Program. And it'll take us to that pivotal moment when Beth realized she needed to help Anna flee the conflict in her homeland, Ukraine. What follows is a testament to the bravery and strength of these two wonderful women. So without further ado, Anna and Beth. Well, hi, my name is Anna. I'm doing International Development Masters here at UEA. I came from Ukraine. I'm nearly 30. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm Beth and I, um, so I did a master's in social work at UEA from 2019 to 21 and yep, still living here in Norwich. Fantastic. So how did you become friends? Oh, it's all thanks to European Voluntary Service, really. <laughs> I had English and French and literature masters, but I didn't, don't want to work in school. So I decided to do volunteering and Try me, try myself out. What what I can do? Do I like that or not? And after that, uh, I found EVS and I founded this project in Belgium. I applied. I had a couple of interviews. At some point, there was an interview with my future supervisor, Florence, and she was like, "Yeah, I like you, and I'll probably choose you." And there's another English girl, and I probably choose her as well. And I remember back then thinking, "Oh, please, please choose English girl, <laughs> because it will be like so much easier just to speak in English as well." And I've met Beth on a train station in Brussels. Yep, and from that day we were housemates, teammates, you know, you go from not knowing someone at all um, to living together in a uh, loft, essentially, in a very small Belgian town and, yeah, working together every day. And is it going to be okay? Um, so it turns out it has been, <laughs> but we'll get onto that. Yeah, well, for me, that was the first time abroad. So everything for me was just a miracle. And <laughs> and meeting other people. And yeah, we just, I think we, we just came along really quickly and we didn't have any sort of trouble. There was like mutual understanding. We didn't argue about cleaning or something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> First impressions. Oh, <laughs> for me, I was just thinking, oh, she's so much shorter than I was anticipating. This is a bit more difficult to show on a podcast, but Anna is very tall and I am very short. And I think anyone who ever met us, particularly that year, because we always came as a pair, would find that quite funny. Yeah, like yeah. this difference. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't really remember what I first thought of you, but I remember waiting for you and thinking... What if there's been something problem with her phone or her train? And but I think I remember really recognizing just like how far you'd come and had to travel because you'd had to travel for a lot longer than me, and and how exhausting that was. Yeah, being much further away from home, um, with not as much stuff that you'd brought with you. So I guess it's a little bit of relief actually. Yeah, because for me it was, um, I received visa like two weeks, I think, before I was supposed to be in Belgium and all of the flights were super expensive. So I had a night train to Kyiv from Kyiv. I had a bus to Warslow. It was like also night bus, but we spent 12 hours on the border. Uh, and then I waited for another bus in Warslow for a whole day and I traveled two days in the bus from there to to Brussels. So it's like four days in the road, something like that. So it was pretty crazy for me, yeah. Yeah, and I think probably there's, especially when you live together, but, but maybe at all friendships as well, there is often often two things that make or break friendships and one is, one is like uh, cleaning and cleanliness, isn't it? And the other is food. <laughs> um, so it was quite a small, it was quite a small space. But luckily, I think we, we had quite a similar respect towards the house. And then I think a lot of the friendship was probably made just in the supermarket that was across the road. And like that experience of shopping together. And I know there were a lot of things in the supermarket that were like quite unfamiliar to, to Anna. Yeah. Or like I'm trying to work out what, what we wanted to eat. And you weren't even vegetarian by that point. Uh, yeah. So that, that, yeah. Was, that was my achievement um. of the year. <laughs> 
Yeah, Beth introduced me to that uh, particular thing <laughs> in general because um, I heard about that, but I didn't really understood anything. Um, and also, there were so many new experiences. And Beth were making amazing curries and stuff like that. So, yeah. I remember the first day you ate pesto. I oh, really yeah. remember that. <laughs> A lot of the time at the start when we first meet we like we wouldn't eat we wouldn't talk whilst eating mm-hmm. because it was about like the, all those new food food experiences um and if I, I knew if you weren't talking that meant the food was good yeah <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of silence as well I think and then if you can be comfortable in that silence I think it that that's a sign of a good a good friendship I, I went through the photographs of our year in Belgium and there's three main themes is uh, we traveling somewhere uh, around Europe from from like with your backpack <laughs> <laughs> we together with other volunteers trying some Belgian beer <laughs> <laughs> and um, just me trying to take pictures of absolutely everything <laughs> I remember this fascination about doors in Belgium and how they were so much different from what we have in Ukraine. Because usually doors, it's, we, we have apartment blocks. We don't really have a much of a private uh, housing. But um, when we do have a private housing, it's all fences. So you don't see the door of the building. And all of those Belgium houses, the doors were outside on the street and they were all different. Blue, white, yellow. Wow. <laughs> And I just, I just like, yeah, there's, wow. And oh yeah, that's a fancy church. I mean, now I wouldn't even notice probably because I had too much exposure. But back then I was just so fascinated about everything. And the first trip we went to Brussels actually. And um, because it was first time abroad for me, I, I just, I was just freaking out because like it's Brussels and I remember at some point there was a um, Starbucks it's in the center city of um of Brussels and there was a Starbucks and I was like let's go to Starbucks let's go because I we didn't have Starbucks back then in Ukraine and I was just I just remember like yeah I finally had Starbucks I tried it and it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> and then I think alongside all this it's worth remembering that the the um voluntary project that we were doing mm-hmm. was in in a center for asylum seekers just outside of of brussels and i think we'd kind of we'd chosen that particular project because it was a mixture of like our language skills and obviously like interested in yeah international solidarity and like migrant experiences so so yeah on top of that it was also quite an intense like day-to-day um experience as well i mean it was it's it was a it was a open center so it was you know it's not anything that was it was closed off the whole point was that it was uh, meant to be you know integrated with the community but so obviously a lot of our the voluntary role was activities with you know with children and families within the center so yeah, it, like really, really valuable experience. I hope we gave and brought, you know, brought something to it as well that was valuable for for people there. Th- that's why our friendships kind of worked because after like a um, very difficult day emotionally and also lots of work, lots of different interactions in general, we often had this uh, habit of discussing what ha- happened during the day, like a de- debriefing. Our like male colleagues said something and I understood it differently from what Beth understood and if we haven't discussed that between us we that would be like so much difficult but we were we we discussed and apparently it's not how it seems to be and yeah it's it helped a lot and it was like a bonding bonding moment for us I think yeah, it sounds to me like you went away for a voluntary experience and you kind of met your best friend in some ways. It's it's really sweet. Well, how long ago was this? When was it? I think 2017 to 2018, mm-hmm. which was obviously a really Brexit. interesting time. So it just been after the Brexit vote. And I remember like the, the whole way through this year it feeling quite symbolic that I mean we were we were kind of paired partnered together and we were working this project together that you know my country had just like actively voted to leave the EU and we were you know an EU 
funded project that was all about building international solidarity and then it was you know here with Anna who uh, whose country was you know and lots of people within Ukraine trying desperately to join the EU um, and then there we were just outside of Brussels you know and 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 working in situations where that the people and, and the asylum seekers who we were working with in some situations it it benefited them being in the EU and for some in some situations you you know you kind of realized how discriminated against they were just because they happened to be outside of that you know fortress europe border um so it was definitely a lot of thinking and reflecting on all those different things coming together well i was i was contacted i think to to speak at the anniversary of the Erasmus programme. So the European Commission Mm -hmm. were um, celebrating this anniversary. And I don't know why they contacted me. It wasn't someone I knew, but I I had the feeling that they'd they'd contacted the first British person on their list who was living closest to Brussels, to be (laughs) honest, because I think actually, you know, that sends a sign, doesn't it, to have British people involved in in the European, you know, funded project. Um, And I said, okay, I'll come along, but only if I can bring Anna too. So we went mm-hmm. up there together and I think we I don't we didn't prepare at all. We did it half in French <laughs> and half in English. Uh because I felt that was that was really important that, you know, it's because it was very much a shared experience right from the start. And it wouldn't make sense to talk about my experience of the project without without having Anna there as well. So yeah, we found ourselves in this in this situation. Um I know that the European Commission representatives were talking about how this is a program that was, you know, well known by everyone in every single corner of Europe, even their grandma sitting in a village in Greece. And I was standing up there saying, actually, no one in the UK knows about this. And no one, no in one had heard about that. it. Yeah. And it was there was this program that was just this, you know, it was like, you know, this incredible work experience program that you could do from the age of 18. And and everyone, at, you know, at college in the UK should have been signposted towards it, say, look at this amazing opportunity to build international friendships and solidarity and no one knew it knew about it um you know there was there was lots of representation from from other other countries in europe but but very free british british people and you know and it was it was great as well obviously that it wasn't just um european union citizens obviously anna was able to come yeah because we signed signed uh association with the european union back then i think it was in 2016 so it's started to work really with erasmus programs and the european volunteer service but again for me as well no one knew about uvs um no one knew about erasmus plus essentially that you can do a half master somewhere in europe and i found recently i found the picture of um all of the volunteers we've met in belgium was the map of europe who came from where and I was the only one from Eastern Europe from the like forest away um, essentially from anyone else no one from Poland or Serbia or Romania there was literally three countries like Germany Italy and Spain France um, uh, Netherlands and a couple of people just two person in from UK actually you and Elaine Um, that's it and so I think the EU and some of those projects aren't perfect but also I think what's obviously shown in the long term is the importance of that project to friendships and international friendships given that you know where we are now and how our friendship has continued after after that experience and after that project well I don't know how strongly you wanted to travel but um, we did (laughs) we traveled a lot we went to uh, five countries I think through during that that year and for me, it was all experiences. I, I would never, ever dreamt about it when I was a kid that I'll be able to see like Louvre in, in Paris. Um, we had like um, Beth were filming a video of me. I was just like screaming in front of the, the Louvre because like this is like in the movies. This is like in the movies. Um, yeah. So for me, it was really important as well. But also it helped me to show that I'm not a freak in many ways, because when I came to Belgium, I felt welcome and I felt that I'm all right, actually. All of those ideas, all of those things I want to do, like even to work with the asylum seekers in, in the center, no one from my friends or relatives understood that. But the, here we are. I'm here in Belgium. I met this amazing person from UK and many other friends from France and Netherlands and Italy, and they all doing the same. And I'm just like, I'm not a freak. I'm all right. I'm okay. 
um with beth i was able to see many many like stereotypes and stuff like that that i i didn't know back then much about feminism i didn't know about vegetarianism i didn't know about many many other things or how to be tolerant to certain groups or like many 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 things so it helped me to grow as well as a person and i'm super grateful for that yeah i I think we definitely helped each other out in different in different ways yeah i think i think certainly in that year i mean there's lots of things that we I mean, we won't even go on to socialism because that's obviously, a, <laughs> a, you know, a very different thing if we, in our country's experiences. But I think we've both helped each other emotionally regulate in like different and better ways. If I, you know, I don't know if that's the right. I, I remember our argument to... about women driving because it wasn't really a thing in Ukraine, the women drivers. And also there was like a little sign was the shoe on the hill which you're supposed to put on the window in the car to indicate that you're a woman driving. Oh. And back then, for me, it was normal, you know? It was just a, a thing you see on the road. And I remember how I was arguing with you, Beth, about that. That If you listen to that conversation now, it's ridiculous and it's insane how much stereotypes and how much uh, culture or your like environment can influence how you see the world. Because for me, that was acceptable. That was okay, normal. I feel like a, a common theme that's running already in this is the way that you both function as kind of doorways. I want to fast forward a little bit. Mm. So now I imagine the the work experience is finished um, and you both go to your respective homes. I found a job in the International Committee of the Red Cross. Uh, so because I was living in the uh, Luhansk region, which is the, the region affected by conflict since 2014, and I was working with the people affected by conflict in the communities uh, around that region for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I came back, back to the UK, which was quite, quite a transition, I think, from being and uh, having worked for several years, I think, in quite international environments to something that was very, very local. I kind of felt and knew and understood that 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 friendship wasn't over at that point you know I think that was um that was really clear to me and I think also because of throughout that year um you'd met so many of of my friends as well because mm-hmm. that tended to be where we traveled to so we traveled to meet friends who were all, all over Europe so you were their friends as well so there was there was still that that connection a lot of a lot of worry because obviously you've spoken a lot about your experiences of of war in Ukraine since 2014 you know you'd had that unfortunately that uh, that experience and that had been your experience before before coming to Belgium through our friendship talking through your experiences of of being displaced at that time Mm -hmm. and then knowing that kind of you'd gone back to that area you'd gone back to that front line at a time when no one was talking about it as a front line actually and also the fact that you you also didn't really have a choice in that mm-hmm. you and and kind of on the one hand like i knew you you wanted to help out and and use your skills and work and support your community but on the other hand you know there were so many other things that you you wanted to do so yeah that was I, that was definitely that was definitely a worry and i remember for ages yeah, I think you. I think you were you were job hunting and didn't have a job. Maybe, but this is also a bit of difference of our personality. You were holding out for the right thing, and 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 that was just that was making me worried. I was just like, just just do anything, just get just get you know any job, get you know. And, and I'm sitting there going, oh no, what's she gonna do? Um, uh, but then in the end, you were right to hold out for mm-hmm. for what was just right for you. So it it wasn't that long. It was three months, I think. I was without job, but um, essentially I started to work in 2019. Yeah. And then you came to visit me in Lviv with yeah. Alex and Abby. Yeah, I was I was like promoting Ukraine every single day in Belgium, or well, not every single day, but I was promoting Ukraine and I was saying, please come, it's amazing country. You'll have amazing food, you'll have amazing experience, and if you want, not far away, Lviv is amazing because it's a very much European city, European style city, and there's lots of good food. So, yeah, please come. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a really great holiday actually. And I know it's not it's not the area of Ukraine you are from. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was still really far away. It was a really good experience to have 
and it's because the whole time that, that we'd been together in Belgium and and a lot of those experiences were new for you mm-hmm. and a lot of it was you know like I said we, like we're going on holiday to new places but it was often to meet people that I already knew so it felt really good to do the opposite of be in a place where right Anna this is Anna's you know territory she's going to show us around and and it was it was a it was a brilliant holiday yeah, we and a brilliant eating. advert for Ukraine as well <laughs> yeah yeah eating drinking i mean the the cafe that um no the coffee i don't know what it was it Um, was a shop above ground but then underground it was like a a a mine it was like um, a fake yeah. mine and Lvivska Kopalnia it's called like that so it's a Lviv mine a uh, coffee mine it's, it's, and, and, it's you, and you go downstairs yeah. underground with your hard hats on um, to sit down at a table where someone lights your coffee on fire before you <laughs> drink it and and so um, you know where else would you do that it was brilliant <laughs> but also um, coffee is like Lviv is like capital for coffee in, in Ukraine so if you're not trying coffee and chocolate in Lviv you're insane Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we went to this Georgian restaurant in, in Lviv because also Georgian food is really good as well. And mm, we yeah. have uh, quite close ties with Georgia uh, during Soviet Union. But um, yeah, we went to this Georgian restaurant just to try something. And we end up spending there lots of money. We had like two <laughs> bottles of wine. We had like three courses or something. And also there is um, a speciality in Lviv. We have lots of different liqueurs. Um, and there is a place called uh, Piana Vyshnya, which is drunk cherry. And you go there and you can order little shots of different types of liqueur. So we tried that. And I think we we spent like 2,000 hryvnas uh, over there, which is insane amount of money for a Ukrainian restaurant. Um, so yeah, a little bit <laughs> helped economy of Lviv back then. <laughs> yeah, you have a better memory than me. All I remember is that it was just good. <laughs> um, yeah. I knew that the conflict is coming, that it's a matter of time. And I think uh, that was my gut telling me that I should do something about that. And Beth were like, yeah, come to UK, do something, do like translation degree or something. Because with my previous degree, I can go to like work to school, but I don't want to work for school. So she was kind of planting these ideas in my head to do the education in UK. And then um, she was doing uh, the degree in um, UA here, right? Mm. Uh, So... It's kind of promoted itself, really. And after two years working for the Red Cross, I really, like, I just realized, oh, I'm lucky in education. I really need education in the humanitarian fields or something like that, something similar, because I'm not that professional enough. Like, this is going to help me to advance in my career in general. So when I start to think about it seriously, I um, check out UEA because Beth were saying to me that, yeah, check out, it's good. And I was like, yeah, Beth is living there, so it'll be even easier and better and we'll see each other. And then I I checked other university. I think I checked Manchester or something else. And uh, ultimately, UEA is the best one in terms of international development. So I was like, this is great. I'll just do that. <laughs> so I applied for UEA before the invasion, actually. I, I applied in 2021, I think, and I received the placement, but I, I didn't have any funding. I just asked to postpone it for the next year. For we be talking about a long time, you know. I think ever since Belgium, it, it was it was clear for different reasons that you you want you wanted to do other things than than just than just in your region because you absolutely had the skills for that. But it's 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 almost just being shown or given ideas or opportunities or suggestions for what you might like to look at that might give you a bit more ability to travel and continue doing what you what you love. Obviously, that's made so much harder when visas get in the way. Yeah, but also pandemic happened. We were celebrating 2020 New Year right before the pandemic here in Norwich in the art centre. It was like a club Mm. situation there. I just remember that. That was the last time I travelled before the pandemic uh, as well. And yeah. Yeah, so you'd been to Norwich before. We were still friends despite living far away. Mm. You were friends with our friends, so so Abby as well. He's he's a close friend. Is obviously also played a big part in supporting you, kind of coming here. But we knew, you know, we knew that the the likelihood of of war escalating. I mean, we were we were anticipating that. I mean, you just had to listen to your experiences of of that never never actually ending. 
um, mm-hmm. in your region. The war had never ended. No, uh, but was like uh, when Zelensky became a president, hostilities decreased like drastically. So it was just a couple of shoots there and there, um, and there was lots of innovation works and new checkpoints building. So it felt like a more well, that something is going to be better in cert- some sort of way. But um, starting from October, November of 2021, there was this pressure coming of something is coming. And then we also had lots of meetings inside the organization discussing possible security plans. I was super like tired of working in the Red Cross because it's very much energy consuming and it's all emotional and it's always security uh, issues and it was very difficult to work in there in general but also career prospect is quite difficult you have to work for like five years to be promoted as a delegate somewhere outside i had like a hopes for uea uh degree and in january i had like this meltdown because i was just this enough. I I want to I want to stop working for the Red Cross. It's and it's, I, I remember talking to you at that time, and I think you'd you 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 were explaining all of your stress in terms of your job. We could see as good friends who'd known you for some time from the outside is that obviously it was also everything that was building around you. You're taking in that stress. You kind of you know when you're in that situation, you can't. It's not you, you don't want to accept that might actually happen. Um, and you can't even imagine how that that would. So I think, yeah, just by the way you were like talking and things you were saying, kind of you could can sense the 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 week. The stress. Yeah, the week before um, the invasion, I already decided that I'm gonna take a long break. Uh, so I'm gonna use all of my holidays and sick leaves and everything which I haven't used before, and I'll take a month off. So that's what I decided. But also I was very kind of weird in terms of I'll do that by procedure. So I'll submit the holiday form and I, I'll wait for um, like green light from my manager and I'll finish all of the job and I'll transfer it to someone else. And I know it's and un- but you, you also should understand the pressure was building up and there was already a talk so it's, um, in the middle of February. I think it was 16th or 17th of February when... Um, America released some of the reports that uh, the invasion is coming, kinda. So it was all there, and it was really bad timing in terms of leaving job for like uh, leave, for a holiday. But also, I was not able to work anymore. It's just I'm done. I can't. But I decided, okay, I'll be civil here, and I'll finish my job, and I'll do everything. And I think we had a talk on Saturday before. We had a couple of conversations over the phone and, and the first one, you still, you, you we couldn't persuade you to leave at that point. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember that. And on 23rd, uh, right before the invasion, we had a call uh, like at uh, six for me. I think it's eight for you. And I drafted in Abbey's because I knew I'd need some help. Yeah. To, because so you, could, you still weren't persuaded by that point and to leave. Yeah, they were like, leave, leave, go somewhere. And I, I was just like, oh, I don't know, or it will be fine. And they persuaded me to buy tickets for Vinitsa to go there on Saturday. Just spend some time there because it's far away from contact line and everything and I was like okay 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 fine (laughs) I'll do that (laughs) but I I was in the huge denial I just I knew it's coming but I did I denied it absolutely and we knew that at the time I think you can and that that that, but that's the that's the value of of like friendships isn't it and people who know you well and and actually at that point um I remember me and Abby talking about like, okay, so we know Anna and how she thinks and that she's obviously someone who is very independent and wants to feel in control of what's happening and is very organized. So what do we need to say and how how do we need to phrase it in a way, that, you know, with the words that it, it, with the words that we know will make an impact for her um, and that her brain at this point of of panic will will understand. Yeah. Well, obviously it was late because next day <laughs> I just uh, at some point I think I I woke up because of explosions outside of my window and I I was first first thought in my head was like oh this is my brain messing up with me because we had all of those conversation about it coming this is this is not real it it was just a nightmare but then second explosion and I was like yeah that's started and I remember I sent a message to you guys that oh 
Sorry, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask Beth, you must have been so worried. I think, um, so I, so, but I, I'd been playing over in my head what, um, this situation for like for a long time actually like probably over a year not you know before it was even in the news Mm because I think we knew that it was going to happen at one point so and and I don't think I'd intentionally thought like this is what I'll do but and and you you don't do you until that situation but I think there was already the commitment in my head that we you know we would we would do something if we hadn't already have got you out before then because we obviously would obviously (laughs) try to it's all recorded I think in in the whatsapp chat the conversations and messages that went that went on at that time um I I don't like reading through them um (laughs) yeah it was uh, it's your brain functions differently when you're in stress and in that kind of stress that what I mean because you're starting to think in terms of survival not in terms of anything else you're just you're being very very much pragmatic trying to think what is the best way to do this how what what the route we're gonna take on the morning I remember I was packing and I put UK adapter I put I put it in my backpack thinking somewhere in my brain oh yeah I'll probably go to UK at some point maybe if I want to use it I'll like throw it away but back then I already decided that I'll go to UK because Beth is there and we were discussing that as well on the way it was difficult times but when so when we were traveling, we were traveling in, in by car for two days, and then we arrived to the small village in the Kiev region, and we stayed there for a couple of days. On the first day after we arrived, I, you know, it's very difficult to explain, but you, you like switch on TV, and there is this massive patriotic uprising in in the country. Everyone is super like, yeah, we're gonna fight Russians. We're gonna do everything in what we can. And there was also people who were doing Molotov cocktails uh, like in the garages. And uh, there was also first numbers that um, some tanks were already shut down. And we 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 saw that the country is resisting. And it was very difficult to stay uh, like behind that mood or not being affected by that mood. So I think I was just like, yeah, I'm going to stay. And remember one of the first uh, videos of President Zelensky who was saying, it's like, yeah, I'm here. And like, don't believe Russian propaganda that they left Kyiv. I'm here. Me and Hannah, with whom I traveled after that, we were like, yeah, we'll do something. And we decided that we'll go to the city nearby and donate some blood and maybe help there, something like that. And I remember recording this message to Beth and Abby. Uh, We had a group chat and I remember recording the message that I'll stay and I'm going to fight for my country (laughs) and I'll do something about that. (laughs) Literally next day, not next day, like literally at the night, fuel warehouse exploded. It was... 10, 15 kilometers nearby and I I just like broke down in tears because I suddenly realized oh the war is everywhere it's not like in 2014 when it's just in line of contact in Lugansk and Donetsk region it's everywhere nowhere is safe I cannot stay here this is I can't deal with that as well because um, I was working for the con- with the conflict for three years and before that so I was constantly in war and I just no, 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 this is not yeah. working. But I was also from the stress. I was heavily ill for two days. I think my body just gave up because I haven't ate properly. And also all this accumulation of like tense emotions and everything. So for two more days, I stayed there. But then um, I just sent a message. Just, yeah, 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 I'm leaving. No, yeah, I, I remember I remember getting that message about like it was quite quite a different tone to your previous messages which which had all been focused on like practically what's happening next what's happening next and then this message comes actually I think maybe I'm going to stay um that you know and I feel like I, I need to and want to do something for my country and it's really hard because who am I to say no that you shouldn't do that actually and we we, we know how you know patriotic you are and you're like an absolute brilliant like ambassador for Ukraine you know and and, you know even before that have always been really proud the the things that you really enjoy about your culture and 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 that people should know um you know you've done 
brilliant amount of work for um, really bringing that understanding of Ukraine to lots of people, which has been amazing. So how can I then turn around and say, no, I think that was really hard. I, I can't remember, to be honest, what, what me and Abby said. I think probably it was still very much like, you know, we'll support you in whatever you do, but also this, you, these are your other options. Let's keep moving. And it was that sense of needing to keep moving and also working out a little bit how how can you help when you're when you're so far away what what is something that you can do yes you can be on the end of a phone but it doesn't always feel very very practical i can't really remember the situation with money at that time but i think I don't know if it was still possible to withdraw money. Obviously, yeah, we could support my, with money. My accounts but... were blocked. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you cannot withdraw any foreign currency. So I had like account in euro and account in dollars and also Ukrainian grievance. And you can take out the cash from the cash machine in, in grievance, but all of the international accounts were blocked and you cannot buy or exchange money because as well to prevent like massive panic and everything it makes sense in terms of country but it's also was a huge problem for me because everything was blocked and i couldn't use it at all and also um like ukraine was collapsing in 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 certain way because all of the like hotels were closing because it was first days invasion no one knew what to do and no one knew how to function it's obviously not like that anymore you can actually travel to lviv and it'll be fine absolutely and go to the bar and drink some beer um but back then i just remember i had i withdraw some cash but even cash didn't work as a as a currency because to to like leave the country you need to jump on the train and the train it's not paid it's an evacuation train and then you're supposed to find another way how to get out of the country it's it was yeah. just completely insane and but we worked out that the, the way we could support you was by essentially booking accommodation because mm-hmm. at the end of the day although we don't want it to but actually that financial support is is it's what's going to best support people and that was the best way to I think we worked out to do it because also like you said in that situation you're so stressed you need to be able to sleep to be able to keep going and it was also a way to to try and keep moving west wasn't it and trying to get further and further I remember sitting with Abby like looking through what can we book and where and like you know google maps and 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 looking at roads and booking.com and airbnb that you know as as friends we'd done so much traveling before and we'd used all those skills to book our holidays and now you know we were using all of those skills (laughs) that you know and and about find you know finding all um you know places places to stay and looking to travel um, in a very very different situation but actually one that obviously meant so much more it was so much more important but also everything was booked already so i don't know how you found that hotel yeah. i mean um, Ye- years of experience <laughs> yeah deals. but also that that was uh, what helped me to kind of keep focus because in that moment you're just thinking about the goal and your goal is mainly like okay i'll get to this location and then i'll think about it or i'll get to this hotel and then i think about it um you're thinking just in terms of those and it could change in hour or to one or more it could be absolutely different situation um yeah we crossed the border uh i think on fourth third of march but in the night we waited for eight hours on the border but it was quite quick because there was lots of people leaving ukraine back then i think i was one of those people who was in the first million of um ukrainians who left we arrived to Warslow and um, yeah, Beth Booker Hotel, and I just remember sitting there when we arrived, and it was morning. I think it was ten ten in the morning, and we had breakfast included, and I was I had just the clothes I was on for, for a whole week. I was really smelly and disgusting. Really, I also haven't ate properly in in that week. And I just remember I'm grabbing uh, like uh, some eggs and some like uh, beans or something else and just putting this amazing breakfast in front of me and start to cry because I was like a first breakfast in the week. But also I was like, maybe, maybe terrible times ahead. Maybe that was not as bad as I were thinking because I'm now a refugee and it could be really really bad I've seen there I've been there I've seen in in the refugee center in Belgium I've seen how 
a family from Chechnya were waiting for their documents for 10 years and they were locked in that stupid center for 10 years. I mean, not locked, they can go out, but still. And they were still waiting. And I, I was just remembered, I'm sitting there and, and thinking, God, it's probably even worse gonna happen to me right now. And I don't know when I'll be able to be in such like fancy hotel and eating that breakfast. And I do, I, I do remember um, send, sending you a repeat message that, that, we'd, that we'd booked you breakfast yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I don't want them to miss out on this. You need that. Um, but yeah, yeah you, you didn't use the word refugee for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you remember that now, but you like, I, I it, it took, obviously now you're, you're able to talk or you, you do I was use afraid. it in that yeah. way, but um, it was quite a long time, I think. I um, Yeah. I think I was super scared of the prospect because uh, with that comes lots of um, difficulties in general. Um, you have no docu- documents, no cannot work, cannot get an education. You're probably without money. You can end up in a camp for refugees, which is a terrible prospect in general. And I think I I was avoiding that as much as possible. And in my brain, if I accept that I'm a refugee right now, that means that I lost my home as well which I think I'm really um, free to accept to say that now because I think I did lost it because my city is destroyed eventually. But back then it was still not under occupation. It took them for two more weeks to occupy my city. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I'll gonna, I'll be back in a month or so. We'll, we'll win this war in a month or <laughs> two months. I'll be back. It will be fine. Uh, again, denial. But guys were planning and booking everything, and they were asking me essentially, "What you can? What do you want to do next?" And Alex, they delegated Alex to came to Oslo. We, we send an, we sent an envoy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, our friend Alex, who. Yeah, yeah, he was um, able to go and meet you in in Poland, which which sounds like quite a big quite a big deal to, to do. But actually, when you consider that it's you know a short flight from London compared to the journey that you had had, actually made made complete sense. But for me, it was it was just a relief. I I just like yeah, if only there's this the friend came to see me and. I can I can relax a little bit because now I'm not alone. Someone will help me with sort out I don't know money or wherever situation because again at that moment I was afraid to take any decisions in general. I think the whole week because you were so stressed trying to survive, um, any any sort of decision making process after that was uh, like impossible thing to do for me. So when Alex came and he's like do you want like to grab some food and I was like I don't know can you decide for me please I I have no idea and the next day he was like you you, well you don't have clothes let's go and buy something and I was like I don't know decide you decide you decide so that's how your brain kind of works with that so it was very helpful in terms of just yeah yeah I'm out of war now so we'll manage somehow Mm. so eventually you get Anna into the UK and because I guess you were really looking forward to seeing her I feel like looking forward is not even the right word for it yeah I mean I think yeah we'd been envisaging that happening like like we said for, for a long time so it felt a bit felt a bit surreal in a way also felt a little bit um it felt more normal than I expected it to be, and and I don't like probably I don't know if it did for you, but I I think because um, you'd you'd been to the UK before and you'd been to Norwich before, we were used to traveling together, and obviously we're good friends, so it kind of just felt like right, this is what's what's meant to happen, um, you know, not in a sense of I don't I don't mean it in terms of taking you away from your country, and actually I feel like I, I've. I've I've never done that just because you are so strongly <laughs> Ukrainian and proud of it and you know and 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 how as I say how you you represent your country, yeah definitely a relief definitely definitely happened because of the support of a lot of a lot of people friends and family you know some of which Anna knows about some of which she's I remember you saying you didn't want to know about mm-hmm. the extent 
that rich people had helped because that would in itself be quite overwhelming because at some yeah, point I, I felt that. really really guilty about all of the help provided to me I um I, I I'm not I'm not a person who easily accepts help and for long period I didn't ask for help at all even though I needed heavily especially in the first couple of months I think uh, mentally I was not really stable and everything else in, in general so accepting the help for me was um like a downside I don't know how to explain it better but um it's just like oh you lose your dignity right now and you're just you're dependent on someone else's and you will probably never be able to be independent again and you have no power over your own life because you're dependent on someone else's uh, goodwill or uh, yeah I don't know that, that's really messed up how you your brain thinks about the, the stuff like that when you're in stress but I just remember thinking oh I don't want to I don't want to know anything about the extent of uh, help because I will be I would never be able to repay that and if I know how much you helped me it would it wouldn't be even worse because I would blame myself forever for not being able to to repay for that kindness and for eventually saving my life how could I I only can say thank you that that's the only asset I have um yeah it was it was quite a weird feeling yeah, I can actually, I can, I can understand where you're coming from because I think, you know, one of the things that really strikes me talking to both of you, especially from, you know, describing how you both were in Brussels, is you're both phenomenally strong. You're strong people, and I think it's, it's sometimes when things happen exterior to you and they knock you down, it can be hard to admit that actually, no matter how strong we are, we are affected by circumstances. Um, so I think sometimes it's hard to admit to ourselves that, that that possibility is there. I think you can take away that actually that strength remains. And now meeting you, the overwhelming sense I get is that there's a, a kind of like, we decide the next steps, we go forward, we keep moving forward. And that's very powerful. Mm. That's and that, I think that's, that's, that's why it's certainly a, a healthy relationship and, and, yeah. and a, particular, a particularly, uh, you know, productive constructive relationship as well and I think maybe because we recognize that that strength and independence in each other there's there's that there's that trust it there as well but we're also quite similar in many ways we're both like as, as you said pretty strong women and I think that's why we are able to understand each other in some ways and sometimes say, oh, you need to relax. <laughs> what yeah, you, what you and doing? that comes back to what I said before. <laughs> that's definitely something that Anna, Anna's helped me with, you know, because because we can recognize that each other that we're incredibly hard hard working and, and we get stressed and uh, um but i remember yeah that that year that we were living together that was a really really stressful year for me mm -hmm. and, and anna being the person who was kind of teaching me to you know how how to how to relax and how to take a step back and look after myself and that's that's a form of care as well absolutely and then i think in other things in terms of you know sharing resources and financially and and those kind of discussions have been um they're quite they're quite delicate particularly when you know i know that you know we're both equally as, as strong as independent but you know that just just because of my circumstance of where i've i've born and the difference in economies i'm lucky to have the resources and financial support that i've had that's not you know because i've necessarily earned it but because I've had it and actually why should other people not have access to that to those 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 resources as well I mean that's the way that I I talk about it and I think there's a bit of an understanding that that's something that we can talk about with each other I don't know if you've got a better way of, of yeah, explaining that I also think we're uh, we're both quite straightforward in terms of saying saying stuff uh, so it wasn't we didn't have um, you know, tiptoeing around, especially when we were in Belgium, we were like, oh, yeah, uh, I don't like that. And I don't like that. And we'll just like easily agreeing on stuff. Right? So I think for me personally, I think our friendship just clicked like that. Just it's just happened naturally. It feels like that f for me personally. And also because I think I, I just kind of 
felt like Beth is this person who can understand me more than anyone else in, in general. How? How's that happened? She she was she was born in the UK and I was born in Ukraine from absolutely different countries and different backgrounds and everything, but we somehow clicking. I don't know. What's the miracle? So yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that like, you know, I think we'd all like to say that we would help anyone who was in a desperate situation, the situation of war and like and refuge and things like that. I mean we can't help everyone do that. And I think um, I I also wouldn't have been able to as much if if the friendship wasn't so strong. It's not just that, you know, you'd be able to do that for, for, for anyone, actually. We, you know, we've been able to do that because of the friendship and the relationship and because we, <laughs> because we get on so well, you know. Um, so... Uh, and because Anna's a very, you know, special person, and like, like you said, and, and recognised. This has been amazing. We're probably going to have to wrap up. We're like... <laughs> going to Dublin. <laughs> yeah, we're on holiday now. Woo-hoo! Well, it's our birthdays this weekend, so we also. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're two days apart, but one year as well. I'm older. Oh my yeah. god. Um, so so we have our birthday party <laughs> tomorrow. Um, then um yeah then we're we're going to dublin i haven't i feel like i haven't been abroad in a long time so yeah we're going to do some traveling actually meeting up um with the friends friends that um that that you you traveled with um Mm -hmm. in you know from ukraine and again friends from university um who who i used to live with and who you know, I haven't seen for years, and actually, we we met in different countries and locations. So it's yeah, we're just we're just continuing <laughs> what we what we, what we yeah. do. Um, but um, I think also, you know, I think a major part in supporting all this has also just been Norwich itself. I mean, I, I, you know, I love it. It feels. I mean, it, it is home for me. I grew up in Norfolk, but not Norwich itself. But Norwich feels like home. It's an incredibly or I found it to be like a, a, a nurturing place, a comfortable place, a place where you can, you know, you can have a good life and also do what you enjoy and be around people that that you that are supportive and that you get on with and that you like. And I think I think that's what's particularly helped this year and mm-hmm. and, and you to settle, I guess, and come over because there's a massive change that's happened in, in, in a year. Yeah, but like University of Century, like I was able to receive a scholarship and that's helped me to settle here as well because I was able to rent a place which is also getting back to sort of independence which means for me a lot. I don't want to burden anyone in general. Also Norwich is really safe, a really quiet place which is a good thing for me to de-stress and everything. Um, and a break for a year for just education, being back to being student, also great. Uh, it also feels a little bit like in the cinema as well because I'm just like, ah, I'm on campus, university, ah, and also <laughs> UK degree in general. Ask me, like ten years ago, a where, year ago, a year, year ago. ago, where I would be, I I would never believe that. It feels surreal. So if you ask me about where we end up in in the future, I cannot predict because so many things happened in general. But also how you can plan. But I definitely know that Beth is an important person. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think wherever wherever we end up, we'll still be, <laughs> we'll still come back into each other's lives, definitely. So, um, so yeah. Thank you for listening to the friendship story at UEA. I'd like to thank Anna, Beth, and the team at the Media Suite at UEA for their incredible generosity in getting this made. If you like this story and would like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. And if you're alumni, staff or a current student at UEA and have a friendship story you'd like to share, get in touch with us. You can email us at communications at uea.ac.uk. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.